The live opinions, descriptions, and accounts expressed on the Best of Times Radio Hour are those of the hosts and the guests of this show, and not necessarily those of Town Square Media or this station. Consult with your attorney, accountant, or other professional for final advice in making your decision. The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Coligas. Good morning, Architects listeners, and happy 4th of July to each and every one of you. Thank you for listening to our show today. I'm Gary Coligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only news magazine for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today, and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. And thank those who are listening via the Radio Pup application on their iPhone, Android, and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about the origins of some common sayings. So stay tuned to the show for some very informative information. It is Saturday, of course, July the 4th, and we are broadcasting a radio show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept call-in questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the July issue of the Best of Times at one of our 528 distribution locations. This issue features your bucket list. And it is submitted by many uh, of our readers throughout the Arklatex, giving us their bucket list of things to do before they pass. So you're going to find this, this, or this issue quite interesting, and there's some fascinating bucket list items on these individuals' bucket lists. Again, thank you for the compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you are unable to find a copy, remember, you can visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view current and past issues of our magazines, as well as listening to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Be sure to pick up the Wednesday edition of the Shreveport Times under Voices section for my weekly article about senior living. These topics and information can benefit you, your caregivers, and others in dealing with current and future senior living issues and concerns. Remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for a listing of announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A-Bears, Senate Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by A-Bears, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. This is a special July 4th show, and I'm going to be discussing the origins of some common sayings that you and I 
use probably each and every day, but may not know the origins of these. And and uh, I get, first of all, I want to thank the many readers and listeners of the Best of Times who submitted some sayings. Some of them submitted the sayings that asked me to do the research on what they mean. And so I have done some of this research from the, the research department of the Best of Times. I can see you have a research department? Yes, we do. Cool. We do have a research department. It's called the Internet. Uh-huh. Google it. You can Google. Google it. Google it. You can Google it. Check it out. And I've asked my wonderful producer of many years, the young and vivacious. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he flatters. <laughs> I do like to flatter you because you're going to be helping today. Okay. You're going to be helping me today. So I'll thank, do my best. So thank you, Ms. Sanchez. So welcome. to begin with, it's 4th of July. Everybody's going to be celebrating today. And I thought I'd come up was some of the common sayings that we use during the 4th of July. And there aren't too many. I mean, they're really, they're not. But think of this one. We speak of Uncle Sam. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Uncle Sam represents the federal government. Right. But why wouldn't we call him Uncle Gary or Aunt Angela? I don't know. That's a good question. Okay, here's the answer. So who's Uncle Sam? Who is Uncle Sam? It happened... On September the 7th, 1813, mm-hmm. a long time ago, where the, the Nick, where the United States got this nickname, Uncle Sam. And the name was linked to a person by the name of, not Sam, Samuel. Mm-hmm. Samuel Wilson. He was a meat packer in Troy, New York. And he would ship barrels of beef to the United States Army during the War of 1812. And on the barrels, he would stamp... U period S. It was never done before. U.S. Mm-hmm. So the troops and soldiers said they nicknamed Uncle Sam's Beef. Ah. And that's why it was the government's beef, but it was Uncle Sam, uh. named after the, the gentleman Sam. So Now when Uncle Sam wants you... Hey. And that's and and that's where the name the 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 costume and what Sam did not look like what he looked like. I didn't think so. He didn't have a white beard. He didn't have a tall hat. So later in the 1860s, I mean, Uncle Sam was continually being using it from 1813 up to 1860s and 1870s. Then a cartoonist made him the the hat, the white beard, etc. And the and uh, and then later patriotic little, suit, patriotic suit, and um, so and, and they also. If you noticed him a little bit, he looks a little bit like Santa Claus. Hmm, a tall yeah. and skinny Santa so, Claus. Yeah, tall and skinny. But it reminds the me beard, of the beard. It reminds me of Abraham Lincoln a lot, only with white beard and a patriotic suit. Yes, yes, and that and uh, so you know he wore he wore that top hat and, and a blue jacket, and of course then during World War II that portrait was used to inspire "I Want You" for the U.S. Army and a bunch of other slogans that mm-hmm. the United States government used that, and um, and. Interestingly enough, uh, in 1961, many years later, the United States Congress recognized Samuel Wilson for being the original symbol of Uncle Uncle Sam. Sam. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. He died at the age of 88 in 1854 and was buried next to his wife in uh, in a cemetery in Troy, New York, which the town is now known as the home of 
Uncle, Uncle Sam. Sam. So he could have been, you know, if we were back then and had a had a Gary Packing Company, and I could have, <laughs> I would put W G on it. No, UG, <laughs> Uncle Gary, or you could have Angela on there, right? Uh-huh. So you never know how, and it's thick. And then I, I would say a lot of people did not know. They thought, I had one lady, uh, I asked uh, just yesterday, and she said, oh, that stands for some acronym in the government, so they just used the name SAM, you know, like, I don't know. She just said, well, what's the acronym? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes more sense. Makes more sense. Well, the other, the other interesting uh, term we use, which I always... Uh, heard it said when I was young, and I think I even asked my mom and dad, you know, we would sing the Yankee Doodle Dandy song. Mm-hmm. So, is that a, is, and that was a patriotic song introduced by James Cagney on the Broadway musical. It wasn't a little Johnny Jones in 1942. So, who was Yankee Doodle? Now, I thought, being a young child, he was a little uh, soldier, and that was Yankee Doodle. But, Actually, what was Yankee Doodle? A donkey? A racehorse. Ah. It was a racehorse in which Johnny Jones rode in the English Derby. And it's based upon a real-life story of a jockey. Mm -hmm. And though many people thought this song dealt with a person, it actually dealt with uh, the the horse Yankee Doodle and and winning winning the race. Mm -hmm. The other uh, interesting... Thing, uh, a phrase that a lot of people use uh, patriotically because it, you know it's our Independence Day. It's celebrating our independence from from Great Britain and the colonies uh, rallied around you know in 1775 and had great speeches and ideas and then we you know fought for our independence etc. But one of those great patriots was Patrick Henry, you know. Give mm-hmm. me liberty or give me yeah, death. Yeah. Okay. He gave this particular speech on March the 23rd, 1775, at St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia, urging the people in the American colonies to revolt against England and to, to make our independence. But what else? Did he just say this message? I doubt it. No. That was the end of his message. He gave a short message. There's a couple of interesting twists. He said, gentlemen, may cry peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring our ears a clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Life is so dear, so so peace, so so peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. Forbid it, God Almighty, for I know what courses others may take. As for me, give me liberty or give me death. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what's the rest of the story about this particular statement he gave? I don't know. He died 24 years later after giving this famous speech, and it was it was definitely inspiring because in attendance was Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and many others, and they knew what the speech meant, and it stirred up people throughout the throughout the colonies to get up in arms and fight. However, no copy. He wrote the speech out. No copy was ever found of the actual speech that he gave. It was passed down from generation to generation. And only until 1816, when the U.S. Attorney of the United States, William Wirt, W-I-R-T, came up with this 
what I just read as a vague copy of remembrance of someone, he wasn't there, of the actual word, of the wording that, that uh, Patrick Henry gave. Hmm. But it's not, we don't know for if true if it's actually accurate. what he said, including the statement of give me liberty and give me death. We don't know for sure wow. if that's exactly what he said. But we have, we have done that. I remember learning about that in history that's growing up. But he, you know, he died and didn't. And the copy was either lost or destroyed or given away. But it wasn't found. Has has not been found yet. We're still looking for it, like that lost treasure. Yeah, of Atlantis. That's, that's, that's right. Okay, here are some interesting questions that were asked by individuals, and I, I thought this was a good one. Why do men's clothes, especially shirts, like here? have buttons on the right while women's have buttons on the left. I always wondered that, too. Did you know? I, I don't know. Okay, here's the story. When buttons were invented many, many years ago, they were very, very expensive and primarily worn by the rich and famous people. So most people were right-handed. Mm -hmm. Okay? So it's easier to push the buttons on a right-handed person through the hose than on the left. Did you know that? Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Women have a little difficult time. However, because the wealthy women were dressed by maids, the dressmakers made their clothes go in the opposite direction. Go in the yeah. opposite direction. That makes sense, because they're dressing them. That was them. the only reason. So oh. so that's why y'all had to learn a new trade in putting your buttons on. I mean, it, my buttons are on the left side of my shirt. Is yes, that correct? Yes. And okay. Yeah, that is easier. And that... And that and, um, And they have remained there ever since. I've always wondered why they did not change that, but no, nope, still the same way in every every kind of garment. Mm -hmm. Okay, you hear the you hear aircraft and planes, and you, we've heard it on many sad scenarios where people, I mean, pilots and captains of the ship say "Mayday." Mm -hmm. What what does that mean? Mayday, like Mayday, like the Mayday. I actually did know that once. It just slips my mind. It's it's a, isn't it an acronym for something? It's a no. It's actually no. a French word. Oh. Actually, Maidez, M-A-I-D-E-Z, meaning "help me," that and it's sense. pronounced in French a little bit "made." Mm -hmm. So that's in French. It's a French word saying "help me." Mm -hmm. Oh, I never knew what it was. And well, we here, totally destroyed that word, didn't we? We did. We did. We did. <laughs> okay, here for you tennis fans. I know my tennis. People out there, this this is a, a, submitted by a tennis player. Why are zero scores in tennis called love? I know absolutely nothing about tennis. Here's another French. But I did always wonder. It's that a thing. French thing, and um, because w that's where tennis became quite popular. It was more popular in France initially than it was in any other country. Mm -hmm. So a, a a zero on the scoreboard looked like an egg. Mm -hmm. And so the French said the word egg is Louvre, L-O-E-U-F, mm -hmm. and that's where it became the Americans and English-speaking people in England called it, mispronounced it, Louvre. And that's where uh -huh. zero meant love. Got it. Okay. Another one. Another person sent me this one. Why do they put 
X's at the end of a letter signifying kisses? X's and O's? Yeah, why? Good question. Okay. Dates back to the Middle Ages. And, yeah. Because people did not, were unable to read or write documents and often signed documents if they had to, or letters or written X. by with an X. And more, multiple mm -hmm. X's meant kisses ah. to the person that they're writing. So whenever they have a legal document, they put too many X's, they meant love and kisses to the person who, the legal person who wrote that article. Hmm. So that, that's how it became. Okay, here's a good one. Passing the buck. You heard that phrase? We've what talked about this one before. Nah, well, maybe we did. I think so. Uh, of course, it started in cards, card games. It was generally acceptable to pass an item. Initially, it was a buck knife. And uh, eventually, it became a coin and was called a dollar it's coin. It's a dollar coin, yeah. That's where the buck came out. And so to indicate whose turn it was to deal. And uh, passing the buck, but you know, today it means passing, passing the responsibility on to somebody else. To somebody else. Yeah. Okay. So when you go to people's homes and they pour wine or champagne in glasses and they want you to toast or ching, what what does that mean? Toast to your good health and mm -hmm. friendship. But it was dates back to the Middle Ages because. Back in those days, occasionally the person that would give you wine or booze was trying, did not like certain people, so they would poison them. Oh, that's nice. And so if you trusted, so if you trusted the individual, you would all together ching together your glass. and toast to your good health and not being poisoned. Uh -huh. And that's where the clinging of the toast of the host glass, as well as the visitors, would would say, "I trust you." And hopefully, that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> now, Angela, I know that you are in the limelight. Where did yeah. that term come by? I mean, I always wonder. They said, "Well, Gary, you're in the limelight." Or, or I, get, I get the spotlight, but the limelight, I don't know. Limelight. Okay, actually, there was such thing as a limelight in 1825. It was used to, in theaters and lighthouses, and they actually produced a, a uh, light by burning limes, L-I-M-E-S. Hmm. You burn them, and it has a brilliant light, and that's where the limelight I'm going to have about. to experiment with that one. Yep, I don't know. I don't know anybody fun. out there burning limes. Okay, the other um, interesting one, this lady, she said, Gary, what does this mean? I hear all these people tell me you're on cloud nine. The ninth cloud. It is. Types of clouds are numbered according to the altitudes, and this is the high, one of the highest levels of cloud. And is and on cloud nine is floating above the like worldly, world, worldly care. Yeah. Okay, a golfer sent me this one, and he said, you know, I hear I've been playing golf for 50 years, and and they said, well, you know, occasionally I need to have a. I see on the pros they have caddies. Mm -hmm. So caddy is that a? Where'd that come from? Was he caddy? Like caddy? Cat, okay. Derogatory. No, no <laughs> not caddy, that caddy. <laughs> a caddy helping the person go around and yeah, get, I know what a carrying carrying his uh, carrying his uh, clubs and helping them understand the course and you know giving consultation. Well, it dates back to Mary, Queen of Scots. Wow. That's a long time That's ago. That's a long time ago when she was she loved to play the, the the game of the Scottish game, of course, of golf back then. I mean, along with 
Louis, the king of France, with the king of France. So the first the course was built outside of Scotland, especially for her enjoyment. And but she had to be chaperone as a young girl. And so what happened was they hired cadets from the military oh, academy Daddy. to accompany her and protect her. And and that's where the term ended up changing because the French word for cadet is pronounced cadet, K-A-D-A-Y. So the Scots, the English Scots, changed it to caddy. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by A Bears, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by A Stand in country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. We are discussing the origins of common sayings. So we're going to continue this. Here's an interesting saying. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. This phrase was surprisingly used to sell a product many years ago in the 1920s. Here's what the transcript of the ad said. Poor Edna was getting on to 30, and most of her girlfriends were either already married or about to tie the knot. However, poor Edna wished that instead of being a bridesmaid for all of these weddings, she would be a bride. However, any romance of hers ended quickly, but there was a reason. Unbeknownst to her, she suffered from bad breath, and no one would tell her, not even her closest friends or her beau. So this advertisement sold millions and millions and millions a bottle of the new and improved mouthwash Listerine <laughs> in the 1920s. It sold, That's awesome. It sold millions and millions, and that and this particular phrase has you. I still hear it. Uh, from sadly, from young ladies from, to yeah, women who are bridesmaids. But bridesmaids would never a bride. Right. Okay. We heard. We always hear this one. Boy, he's barking up a wrong tree. <laughs> and th- that generally means an error in decision. You know. So where did this come from? It really dated back to hunting because the the phrase when animals were used to track, they would catch and retrieve prey. But but sometimes. When they would chase certain varmints, the, the dog would get stuck and would incline to, to, to get, either get stuck by a tree or he would be barking up the tree and thinking the, uh, whatever the raccoon or the item was in that tree, but it was the wrong tree. And he, that's how they deal. The dog was barking up the wrong tree. Here's another statement that I hear a lot of my friends use. You've got to be on good footing. Good footing means having a sturdy relationship with someone, uh, and and really, the the the, uh, the phrase comes back to the uh, many many years ago when there were apprenticeships, and that what happens was uh, an apprentice would invite all of his workmates for drinks afterwards, so he would become a good person with that particular individual, and everybody would be on a 
on the foot, and uh, and also this person would be the the apprentice would foot the bill so that he would have good fitting with all his fellow workers. So he's a general host, and that's and that's why uh, you know it had the cost that this novice was gaining a good footing with his other individuals. Okay, you heard about the word beating around the bush. That means someone who talks and talks and talks, like Gary sometimes, but doesn't get to the point quickly as possible. You just beat around the bush. The origins comes again from hunting, more specifically from hunting boars. And what happened was very ferocious animal, mm-hmm. and that the occasionally the the dogs would and the people that were going after this particular animal that would hide in a bunch, a bush. A bush. Instead of going in there and getting the guy, they would actually beat around the bush to try to scare him out and not go in there and be attacked. That and makes that's, sense. And that's where beating around the bush. Okay, here's an interesting one. Gary, the, the, my mother would say, be sure to put your best foot forward. Which foot is that, do you know? Ah, so it depends. And it's making a good impression with someone, okay? There, according to my research department at the best of times, there are a couple of, there are a couple of, <laughs> there are a couple of options. First of all, uh, it, it was believed to be left meant the devil or evil. So most people thought the right foot was your best foot forward. Okay, that was one thing. And, but the fashion war world uh, has a different uh, analysis on this because I didn't know this until researching. Most people's two legs and two feet are slightly different. Did you know that? Yeah, I think they, I think somebody said they're like slight, one is slightly longer yeah. than the other. Yeah, so you want to definitely draw attention to the better leg and better foot. So the, you know it could be it could be the left and could be the right, but mm-hmm. you, supposedly you would know your family members would know which one, and that's the one that you should live. But mo- but others say it's always the right because that meant you know I, I hear people saying put that right foot forward because you're going to be your best foot, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's another interesting phrase. By hook or crook, I'm going to do it. I'm going to achieve that goal by fair means, by hook, or crook means foul means. That dealt with an early, early British practice where there were forests that were exclusively for the royalty, and commoners could not go in those forests to, to gather firewood to do anything. However, they would occasionally let the poor people go in there on occasion to pick up uh, firewood and, and pick up uh, items that have fallen from the trees but not, you know, cut down the trees. So they would use hooks to pull those logs and pull those trees for firewood and kindling to take with them. But but if they didn't, they're doing it by foul means, they would do it by crook. They would sneak in there and get it, but they could be arrested or killed or whatever. So by hook or crook being the legitimate way or the non-legitimate way. Uh I, I've always used this one. My dad would say, let's be above board about all these things. That means being legitimate. Be above board. That comes from the days of card playing. Because generally when the card, when you would shuffle the cards below 
the the below the the, the, the table the, the table you could sit there and fix the carts yeah. if you're quick enough. Uh, so that's I've what, actually never heard that one. And that and so that's why they said above board you put it on board and that's where you would shuffle and sort the cards. But Angela, there's still professionals that can that can fix the deck that's above true. above the board. But that's most, true. But most of them need it below the board to. Uh, to, to handle it. Okay, now I hear uh, the military guys on, and people on television. This person was armed to the teeth. To the teeth. I knew you were going to say that. Okay. So what does that mean? And what it means is fully prepared for combat or fight. I mean, he's so in the medieval days, warriors would have their shields, their swords, but they would also carry small knives and items in their mouth, held by their teeth. Really? That would be their last resort to pull it out <laughs> and use the last sword. Now, I hope it's not a long sword, because yeah, no, they'd be jostling around that sword and would go back at his neck. But that's where it came from. Neat. Uh, okay. Uh, cold feet. You know, that person's got cold feet. Or I'm, I've got cold feet about this. Yeah. It's showing reluctance or, you know, it's a military term because a, a man or a, a person in the military that had cold or frozen feet, he, he, when he had this affliction, he couldn't rush into battle or was not very good at doing his job and defending and being on the offense. So that person had cold feet. He was reluctant. And this was an interest. Another one dealing with cold He's got a cold shoulder. He feels he me. give you the cold shoulder. He yeah. gives me, makes me feel unwelcome. It has, you know, has nothing to do with barging out of some way. It has nothing to do with that. The origins come from an unwelcome visitor would be given the cheapest and most common type of food, the cold shoulder of mutton. Uh-huh. A cold piece of meat. Uh-huh. And that's how they would be fed, would said they're unwelcome. Not cook. Huh. Cold shoulder of beef. Okay, this is a great one. I, my mother was gets one goat. He gets one goat. He irritates me. You heard that phrase? Gets my goat. Gets yeah. my goat. Gets, gets my, my goat. goat. I don't know why I put my. Yeah. Gets my goat. That actually is a racehorse term. Because when nervous horses were placed, were placed, uh, a goat was placed in their pen to calm them down. And so what happened? The unscrupulous jockeys or owners would steal the goats out of those nervous <laughs> horses in hopes for those horses would lose because they would remain nervous. So that's get got my, goat, my goat. Got my goat. <laughs> um, and the the other one I heard this one a lot, and they they accused me of this. Gary's gone haywire. What does that have to do with anything? Gary's gone haywire. He's in a mess. He's crazy. Well, in the actual days of frontier towns, wire would be taken from hail bales and used for domestic jobs, including hanging the clothes, binding a stove together, putting the house back to order. So, you know, it was it was not the most... Uh, correct way to use haywire. So that's why they're saying he's gone haywire because it was poor, backward, and, and you know, unusual out of nature. So that's why they, it, you know, it didn't really mean he's crazy, but he's using the last resort. I like this one. My mom would always, she says, keep mum. Don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Mum's the mum's word. Mum's the word. Mum's the word. 
Okay, to keep silent. So what's the origin of that one? I don't know. It's actually a German word meaning mumble. And M-U-M-M-E-L-N. Hundreds of years ago in Germany, there was a dice game called Mumchance, which was played in complete silence. That was the name of the game, the silent dice game. And that's where the word mum came into. Uh, I love this one. He made the grade. Okay, what it means today is reach that required goal or standard. But it had really initially nothing to do with making exams. It actually dealt with the railroad industry because in the 19th century, calculations had to be made to ensure those engines didn't have a steep grade to tip over. And that's what making the grade meant back then. But how it got into exams, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the... The, the rest of the story about that one. But it, it actually dealt with the railroad industry. Mm. Now, you hear the word, my ears are burning, I think somebody's talking about me, right? Mm-hmm. That's a common phrase. Date backs to ancient Rome, where they had an obsession whenever certain sensations in various organs of their body, it meant something was happening. And so the, they, they, the Romans thought, if your left ear tingled, then it signaled evil was going to be happening to you. If your right ear tingled, you're going to be praised and placed in line for some good luck. So it depends, you know, which ear was burning. So whenever your ears are burning, it depends on which ear. They're going to be talking about you on the left side badly. On the right side, you may have good luck. They're going to be talking. They'll be praising you. This is a sad one. I, I hear I hear people using this one. Boy, he's over the barrel. He's out of he's out of his control. He's under somebody else's control, and that dates back to the Spanish Inquisition. 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 Yeah. It was a form of torture. They would strap people to a barrel and um, put them over the barrel. And, uh, and then they would hover them on this barrel above a big barrel of oil. And if they didn't agree to all the demands, they would drop them in the barrel in the boiling oil. Mm. That sounds that uh, much fun. No. Okay. I know I knew about this one. I've heard uh, uh, individuals saying, Gary, you've got to pull out all the stops and achieve that maximum goal. You've got to just pull out the stops. Mm-hmm. What does that deal with? Uh-huh. Gary knows because he's an organ player. Uh-huh. On an organ, there are stops that make different sounds. And if you pull out all these stops, your organ will sound like you would not believe. It has superpower. All the pipes are blowing away. All, mm-hmm. the, all If there's electronic, all electronic gizmos. So when you pull all out, boy, it's going to make a tremendous volume. And you're going to be blasting the church or synagogue or wherever else you're playing. So that's where that, that came out. Pull out all the stops. Uh-huh. Okay, now, my mother, God rest her soul, she was saying, Carrie, he, she loved the weather, as well as all of her other sisters and brothers. They were weather fascinated for 96 years, I think. Uh, but she would always call me up and say, is it raining cats and dogs at your house? Go, Mom, I haven't seen a dog or a cat fall out of the sky. There's lots of water. <laughs> but she would always say, it's raining cats and dogs. And I would hear every, I mean, 
many thousands and thousands of people use the same terminology. They would even the weather forecast. It's raining cats and dogs right now. Mm-hmm. So that. So where did that come from? I, w- I always wondered that too. Mytholo- mythology mm-hmm. and mythology of Norway, Norwegian mythology, mm-hmm. because cats symbolized heavy rain in in um, Norse mythology, and therefore. Dogs represented storming weather. Hmm. So rain meant cats, dogs meant storm lightning and howling wind. So that's why they came up the word, it's raining cats and dogs. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bears, Tiny Country F Report, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A Bears, Tanning Country, S. Report, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep deal. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. We are doing a special show today regarding the origins of common sayings. I hope this is beneficial for you that you can share this with family and friends during your 4th of July celebration. Here's Here's an interesting one, Angela. We talked about he's going to achieve this in one fell swoop. I never knew that one. Okay. All at once. That's, you know, that's what it generally means. It's a phrase that actually comes from Macbeth. And uh, it means, of course, in Macbeth it meant swift and brutal murder. A swoop is when a, a bird descends and lays prey on its victim and merciless. And, and so, what it you know, that's what the the term was used. One fell swoop is to make a descent and do it take all. Them out. Take, take them out real quickly. The other interesting item, I didn't know this one, it's a red herring. <laughs> you know, it's a distraction from the main issue. It's a red herring, a distraction. It comes from fox hunting, where a red herring was actually used, which has a strong odor, that the, the, the fox hounds, the hounds that were chasing the fox, would be distracted. But people would do that to tease the individuals. They would put these red herrings because they couldn't, they would not be able to catch the scent because the red herring has a A stronger smell. Much stronger. That makes sense. Much stronger scent. Steal one's thunder to take away the attention from someone else. What else somebody's done? I'm going to steal one's thunder. It dates back to the playwright John Dennis and he, he's claimed to invented a machine that would mimic the sound of thunder mm. in a theater mm-hmm. and that's when when they said well he would he would use this to steal their actual thunder and that's where the terminology came from mm-hmm. it you know you never know when you know people invent certain things how that little phraseology would be used i thought this was a good one while Gary's on a wild goose chase. <laughs> Were people actually chasing geese? <laughs> no. It's a racehorse. It's a horse race. And it name, it's because its name on various positions resemble, it's all variable. And so it wasn't really much of a race. It was just like a, a goose chase. <laughs> <laughs> I love this one. 
Put a sock on it, Gary. <laughs> I, usually, I usually say put a sock in it. <laughs> well, put a sock in it, on it. It means to shut up immediately. Right? Uh-huh. And it actually deals with a gramophone. Back in the old days, they had these massive speaker phone devices that came out of a, a, a record player mm-hmm. and went, had no volume control. Had only one volume. Loud. Loud. <laughs> so in order to tone it down, they would stick a Put sock, a sock in. in And that's where it came from. Perfect. Isn't that cool? Okay, now, this is a morbid one, but I'll mention it. I, I always wanted to know where this came from. He's a basket case. Basket case. You, you don't want I do hear that a lot. You don't want to mention that in the military. It actually der- has its derivations in World War One. There were a lot of of sadly injured, I'm sure in World War II and other wars, where soldiers would lose their arms and legs from injuries, and they were generally carried back. In a basket. In a basket. Oh. That's where the term, term he's, uh, he's a basket case. Oh, right? That's sad. That's yeah, that is sad. An- another one. Oh, I love this one. So when I go, achoo, Hopefully you will say if you love me. Bless you. Bless you. Consider polite to be said to the individual after they sneeze. But what's the origin? I think I actually heard this. Something about your spirit escaping when you sneeze That's or something. Right. <laughs> it, it's believed in the olden days that a violent sneeze could throw your soul out of your body. And so saying and say, bless I bless you, you back in. would avert this little devil from stealing it when it got out of your body. Right. It would go back in. So in that, in that, uh, and uh, but I ask the question: If you go, I chew, I chew, I chew, lots of time. Bless you, bless you, bless you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> usually. If you, bless if, you, infinity. There you go. <laughs> bless you to infinity beyond. You know, wow. Uh, I love this one. You can't hold a candle to it. And that, you know, that's that means you know, getting a second hand. Holding a candle was clearly a less challenging job because. Doing that and doing the other manual labor. Uh, the other term that I hear, I hear ladies tell it, but they don't know what they're meaning. Dressed to the nines. Mm-hmm. And that dealt with the popular theory that the best suits were used nine yards of a fabric. Of fabric. Uh, close, but no cigar. I always thought that was pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Carnivals used to give out cigars as prizes, so you know winning would 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 win would get you a cigar, but not quite. You know if you were almost there, but you had to hit it exactly on the on the on the uh, bullseye to get there. Um, we we talked about this, and a lot of people love this one. Mind your p's and q's. People thought that was being polite, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. It means because bub, pubs serve beer in pints and quarts. So if a person oh. was unruly, the bartender might warn them to mine their pints and quarts. Would somebody dump them on their head or uh, what? Don't know? The, you know, we don't know, but, uh, but mind your manners. Just mind your pints and quarts while you're drinking. Oh. Yeah, I, I love this one. Rule of thumb. Form of rough measurement probably comes from carpenters approximating, you know, an inch or so with their thumbs. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, sleep tight. You always tell your daughter, sleep tight tonight. Sleep mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Dates back when mattresses were held up together by ropes. So they make sure the ropes were tight 
they didn't have box springs or mm-hmm. they just had ropes where the mattresses or a blanket was placed on this. So the, that's the tight mean the making sure that it all it was very tight. Um, bite the bullet. Heard that one. You heard that one. Accepting something difficult and unpleasant. During early battles, there was no anesthesia. So they would ask the soldier to bite the bullet to bear down to distract him from the pain that was going to be inflicted in the, the incision, the amputation, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not like to have been in those days. I love this one. I'm going to go butter, butter you up. Butter you up. Butter them up to make them flatter more flattery to flatter someone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It actually ha- it has origins in ancient Rome and Greece because throwing butter at statues would seek the statue and the goddess or goddess's favors on upon you. So they would throw butter on them. I, I guess it, butter was a delicacy back yeah, then. Hey, you know, what can, what can I say? That that might be, uh, might be considered a weird thing. Uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I've heard remember this that, one. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. It means, you know, hold on to those valuable things when getting rid of the unnecessary dirty water. Because back in, and many, many years ago throughout the world, people bathed very infrequently. And so sometimes when they had a collective basin, they would bathe the whole family, relatives, and everything. And the young, and Okay, would, Junior, your turn. Yeah, and he would be down the 45th pecking order, the same dirt, <laughs> dirty water. And sometimes the little babies were left in the bath water when they were when dumping it out. And that's where that came from. Oh, no. And it stuck, it stuck along. Uh, the, the sad one, we're, we're mentioning that this year, this month, in the best of times, we dealt with the bucket list. Mm-hmm. So where did the bucket list come from, or the bucket? I want to know. It's, I want to know that too. Okay, the, and it deals with kick the bucket because you know it generally meant that the person is about to die or is going to is die. He's mm-hmm. kicked the bucket or about to kick the bucket, mm-hmm. and that's why you make that list before you kick the bucket. The mm-hmm. bucket list. It or it has its origins when cows were taken to the slaughterhouse. A bucket was placed below the cow. Hmm. And then when they often kick this before being killed. And oh, that's wow. where the, the term oh. kick the bucket was was uh, introduced. These were a lot. Uh, I love this one. He spilled the beans. You heard that one? Mm-hmm. means he revealed a secret. Well, in ancient Greece, beans were used to vote on candidates for office. White beans would be in favor and black beans would not. Just like they have black balls. That's where it came from, ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. But op- often a clumsy person would knock over the bean jar and let everybody know the confidence. Who, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who was in the lead? <laughs> who was in the lead at that time? And uh, it happened. So they called it, he spilled the beans. Uh, waking up on the wrong side of the bed. And some of us do that. Uh-huh. And so, you know, you're you're in a bad mood by waking up. The, what's that wrong? You know? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, many years ago. Going away in, from the wall? Yeah. Many innkeepers would place their beds to make sure that the left side of the bed was pushed up against the wall. So guests who would have, have to get up uh, at night would get up on the right side of the bed, known to be better than getting up on the left side of the bed which was deemed to be left side again, evil side. Oh. That's why they wanted to put the evil left side up against the wall. 
Well, that explains a lot. Yeah. So you need to go back there and check check on that. And the the last one I have I hear on television so often, in your neck of the woods. Heard that. So what does that mean? What does it have to do? With, is, does the woods have a neck? Uh, it's it dates back to the 1500s in England. A neck was a strip of land surrounded by water, which resembled a neck of an animal. And that particular strand of land was where sediment was generally located. So in the in the early days in America, it was largely covered by forest. So the neck of the woods would be on the was where your home was was near on that particular stretch mm-hmm. in your neck of the woods. We hope you enjoyed today's show about sayings, and uh, we'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Kiel, proudly presented by Abear, Standing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Big Dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Kiel. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Again, thank you for listening to our show today. Best wishes to you, your family, and friends for a safe and happy 4th of July Independence Day celebration. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to the best of times on 710 Kiel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for the best of times. This is News Radio 710 Kiel, K E E L, Shreveport Mosier.